Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, regular listeners, you may have spotted that we've changed our name. It's now Honey & Co. The Food Sessions. So if you hear this sound, it's just us making dinner. Well, that and the fact that we're not allowed to use our title anymore. It's just been a bit of a thing, but don't worry about it. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the Honey & Co. with me, Tamar Srulovich. We hold the talks in our deli, Honey & Spice, in front of a small audience. We ask the people we admire from the world of food to come over. Cooks, waiters, makers, writers, drinkers and thinkers. We have something to eat, a glass of wine, and they tell us their story of making a life in food. This week we're joined by the wonderful Nasreen Rogan. Nasreen was born in the north of Iran, on the border with Azerbaijan, and later moved to Tehran. Taking influence from her mother's and grandmother's cooking, as well as from her fellow students, she taught herself to cook while studying for a degree in psychology. Since moving to the UK in 1999, Nasreen has worked with the Iranian Association, started cooking classes, and is now part of Mazimas, a social enterprise that gives a platform to female immigrants to the UK, who are already extraordinarily skilled in cooking. They become employees of their roaming restaurant, and are offered business support to start their own food projects. Keep listening if you want to learn more about Iranian culture, about what life is really like in Tehran, and about how to cook better than your mother. I hope you enjoy. Hello, good evening. Thank you everyone for coming. Thank you so very much for coming. As you know, we do these every so often for quite a selfish reason, because we want to kind of get out of our day-to-day and our routine and kind of try something new and go to places that interest us. And for those of us who know Honey & Co. and Honey & Smoke and what we try to do, the food that we're most interested in is, is traditional, old-school, homey, Middle Eastern food, the kind, kind of food that is really hard to find these days because these traditions are, are, are not as widespread as they used to be, certainly not in this country. But what we do get in this country is people coming from all over the world with these traditions. And when we heard about this girl, Nasreen, it was like, you know, a treasure for us. Because this is the kind of food that we're looking to learn. This is the kind of food and the kind of attitude to food that we love the most. So we're really excited to have this girl with us. We spent a lovely day together cooking. I mean, she was cooking. We were just like, pasta, pasta. <laughs> no, it's not true. It's not true. 
all, all the onions I sliced myself, all the pomegranates my wife picked, we did everything. She was, go she was like, let's give her a big hand, come on. So, Nasreen has quite an interesting background. Mm -hmm. You are from Iran, yeah. kind of the north part of Iran. Yes, I born in Azerbaijan, borderline with Russia, and a small city called Astara. And then when I was nine months, we moved to Tehran, the capital. So I grew up there, and then after revolution, we moved to nearby city, a very small city called Karaj just half an hour away from Tehran. But uh, your, your food tradition at home, they yes. were more, more Azari? Or? Azari and also Caspian Sea region because the Astara is between Azerbaijan and Gilan. Gilan is nearby Caspian Sea. So it's the borderline. We speak Azari in Astara, but the food and things uh, is near to Caspian Sea. Lots of fish, lots of green vegetables. And lots of rice, of course, like <laughs> any other place in Iran. <laughs> so it's, it's quite a different food culture in Azerbaijan yes. than certainly from Tehran. Uh, you know, uh, Iran is a very fast country. And the north is different. Azerbaijan is more meaty, more uh, food. Is the style of the way they cooking is easy, just put it to boil and leave it and go do whatever you have to do because most of them they are uh, farmer and they have to work hard so the food is very lots of meat and poles and very um, food, mm, high calorie but the um, gilan is mainly very green mainly green vegetables and vegetarian food it's got a very rich vegetarian and vegan food and also uh, fish and mainly chicken compared to Azerbaijan is mainly red meat. So you're an Azeri family yep. living in Tehran. Tehran. What were you cooking? What oh were you God. eating? Azeri food or, or More Farsi Azeri food? More Azeri food, but influence of Tehran, of course. We was there and we had friends and we, my f mom loved Adventure. She was very adventurous with food. So she was. She, she was a good yeah, cook. Yeah, she was. Re she's really good cook. She's really good cook, and she enjoy um, giving us sh shock with putting something completely different in normal food. Sometimes goes very wrong, but <laughs> most of the time was really, really good. And some of them established, you know. What well, went well, very wrong? Tell me um, God, I remember once I came from school and I was very hungry, waiting for a nice... And she, uh, I asked her, what did you make? And she said, cotlet. Cotlet is just like a, a little burger meat. But it came with the pomegranate. Okay. Paste in, so it was completely different from what my expectation from the you know meat and little bit of onion and little bit of potato on it, and it. So you sent it back to the kitchen. I was really really disappointed. <laughs> I wasn't, Mom. What did you make? Why did you do that? And she said, and I understand now. I'm a mom. I'm cooking every day, so I get really bored just cooking every day same thing, and my kids get bored. I normally more cautious than my mom <laughs> really much less with the adventure you're traumatized <laughs> yeah. and you don't want to pass the trauma no, to I your kids no i don't want to give it to the kids no so she would she would cook more 
Was traditional like, food or more like whatever she felt like? Oh, she... I could say traditional in her own way. She always Her twisted. own traditions. Okay. Yeah, she always twisted. She always added something different. Uh, she always had her own signature on every food. It, she doesn't follow the recipe. She hates the recipes. So that's why I didn't learn the, the recipe. I have to look at her, how she cooked, the timing and everything. That's the right time. Now if I want to pass it to my daughter... I can't give her a recipe. She can't mm -hmm. just go through the recipe. She has to stand next to me. That's the right time now. Um, very traditional, very homey way of cooking rather than like restaurant. You got the recipe, you got ingredients by gram, and you have to be very careful about the timing and about the amount of the things you're adding. So, yeah, it's, it was a challenge when I tried to cook for Mazimaz or E5 Bakehouse to just try to go along with the recipe. It's really difficult. Yeah. It's really, really difficult. Especially when when it's something that you know really, really well mm. and you know kind of exactly how it needs yeah. to be and how it's very hard to pass it on. Yes. Very hard to yeah. pass it on. Yeah. And your father was a part of the, the family cooking life or oh, not really? No, he most of the time he was away. Okay. He was, my mom was very person to discipline and be standing a little bit far from us um, to be able to discipline us. My father was one of the child. Okay. Each time he coming back from the six months away from home, he was just, we was just playing together and he was one of the dad, everybody want to have it. And I remember my friends just say, oh God, you are very lucky. Your father is very cool. But mom, my mom was no. We could just kiss her twice a year, or birthday and Persian New Year. we was sleep, of course. <laughs> we could just feel mom, my mom coming and just giving us a kiss. But when we was awake, she always said, "No, you can't do that. You have to follow the." You know, she was very strict. Yeah, and I understand now because she was the only person. Being really? at home always with us, so she have to take a hard part of the education, edu um, disciplining us, giving us a uh, direction in life. So and your father would just kind of waltz along, oh, bring you gifts, and like be a yeah, nice yeah, guy. That's a, that's a dream job. That's <laughs> yeah. a dream job. That's very nice. Yeah. I know in um, suddenly in Israel, and I know in a lot of Middle Eastern culture. Food is such a center, not only of family life, but also of social life. And even you can say, you know, the bigger picture, political life. It's so much yeah. at the center of things. Oh, yes. I imagine also in, in Iran. Yes, it's really, really, uh, you know, we always, when we gather, we, in every party, we first put, what, whatever we think about food, not entertaining our uh, guests, we don't care if they don't have anything else rather than eating but we are make sure they're eating more than enough we just forcing them sort of just have more have more even now when my kids friends they come and my daughter said mom please don't force them to eat <laughs> they're eating little portion not the iranian portion so i have to be very very careful not to force them to eat but when when you grew up it was the Iran-Iraq war. Oh, yes. Was There was not kind of as 
uh, as much food around. Yeah, not you, you can't say it. When I look at the movies in Second World World War, it's not like that. We just living by ca- with cabbage and potatoes. No, it wasn't like that. But some certain food was Russian, like butter, like eggs. Um, uh, not rice and not saffron. No, not rice. Because then there'll be riots. <laughs> and eggs. Uh, this sort of things was. You have to get a coupon and buy with coupon. Everybody with your birth certificate. Otherwise, yeah. you could not get whatever you want. Or milk. This sort of thing. And um, I remember once my um, niece came to our house and she was coming from different city. And uh, it was morning. My mom had the breakfast table ready, and we had the butter and jam. She said, "Oh, my grandma, I've got the butter." She was just like seeing something really important. Just having a butter because if you don't have luxury, the, yeah. And your mama would kind of juggle in the kitchen. Oh yes, she was. She was really good at trying to replace the things <laughs> together. And I remember she was. Sometimes making something like um, washing up liquid with the orange peel. No, 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 no. <laughs> because, because we didn't have that much washing up liquid and dishwasher tablets. So she had to try to find a way to make it herself. And they were teaching in the radio how to make it. You know, things you don't have it because of the war. It's some certain thing wasn't around that much. You know, something like a washing up liquid. And yeah. yeah. Just why? So we just use some liquid. parsley and garlic. Whatever, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> just whatever. Just yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah. Use what you can find. Saffron, <laughs> anything. Oh, she was really, really good replacing things, trying to do her own way of cooking. But I think that being under pressure, not having everything around, giving you that um, idea, you have to try to find another way make you more creative I think yeah that's one of the reasons she was very adventurous maybe yeah after the what you went to university and you, you learned to cook from, from your mom basically oh yes uh, it was like at her side yeah very early age I love to go and cook with her but we always fighting even now, when I go to the, her kitchen, she just wants to go out. This is my kitchen. Mm-hmm. And mom, you, don't, you shouldn't do that. And she said, no, 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 go out. This is my kitchen. We're always fighting. But she doesn't want to teach you? She's, she had she's, enough She's of very you. good. No, she's, yeah. she's very good. But now uh, I think I cook better. So. Ooh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so we fight. Oh my God. That's why. Oh started God. when I was after university. So w- when you went to university, then you got kind of your own kitchen. Yeah, you know, I we didn't had, uh, you know, we have to cook ourselves in a university. So uh, I s- I exposed to the other part of Iran's food. Okay. People, no, most of the food we was had it yeah, was from Caspian Sea and Azerbaijan, Tehran. But I had a friend from different parts of Iran, Kurdish side and uh, south and, uh, of w- Iran. And when you went to university, that was after the war already? Yes. I, the and war what was the atmosphere like in, in Iran? Um, it was, I think, it wasn't changed so quickly. But gradually you could see the things you didn't have it. It was more in Bazaar and 
business didn't get much better because we, still we were suffering with sanctions. So yeah. it took us a while to feel everything is going back to normal. And what was the normal? I was 12 when the war started, so I didn't have that much memory Before. from what is the normal. But I remember the food and everything was much more diverse because we had, for a few years, we didn't have any banana. Banana was just like uh, you were smuggling uh, cocaine. Contraband. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember once my father was coming from the um, Baluchistan, uh, nearby Afghanistan. They brought us some banana, and it was so precious for us, you know, just something really cool. But uh, So he would bring you food from all yeah, around the area? Yeah, because... And uh, I remember he said when... He, he had a box of banana in the airport. I was asking, what is this one? He said, just a banana. It's not a cocaine. It's not heroin. I'm just taking some banana for my kids. That's all. When the war finished, I was in university. It yeah. was very long. So, yeah, yeah it, was lo- it was long. Mm, eight years. Yeah. Yeah. And so all, your, all the people you went to university, basically, they were soldiers like two years ago. Um, yes, it could be. Yeah, some of them I don't know about boys because we was we wasn't allowed to talk to them. Separate. Sep- not separate. We were sitting in the next same classroom, but the one side was the boys and one side was a girl, and we wasn't we supposed we shouldn't talk to them. It was just like a scene. Uh, we didn't have that much interaction, but now it's different. Completely changed. You know. Whatever government trying to force people to do, I think Iranians, they go opposite side. Yeah. And they find a way how to live their life kind of normal, to finding their own um, sanctuary inside their home. They do whatever they want in their home. They do a party, they drink, they smoke, they, you know, they do the normal life like here. But... For my time, it wasn't that much because of war and the you know shadow of war still was in Iran. Yeah. And uh, government using the war as a weapon to Suppress. you know just press yeah. the people down and put whatever they want to do still on the because it's the war we have to be careful and this sort of things. But now it's different. You could. Each time I go Iran, I say, oh, God, this is completely so different from the time I was in university. We, we're going to go back to that because I have a, a lot of questions about life in Iran now. I'm sure a lot of us here do. But they want to go back to the kitchen for a yeah. little bit. So uh, this is in university when you left your mom's home, you came into your own and then yeah. you became a better cook. Yes. <laughs> so you, you started <laughs> learning from other people. Oh, she was, she's not here. She's not going to listen to this. She'll be killing me. She will not. She will not hear this. Please make sure that she will not hear this. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's not say better. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna edit it out. <laughs> <laughs> and you you start to find your feet in your own kitchen. Yeah. Make your you know in understand how you and cook and trying your different food. type of food. Yeah. Uh, and tell me a little bit about how you ended up in this country. Why, oh, why did okay. you come here? I uh, I finished my university and I studied um, clinical psychology and I work as a special need teacher. But after a few years working in one of the school, um, one day I had a letter. I should leave the school immediately because 
I, you know, the, the normally educational uh, ministry is really strict, very Islamic. They, you have to pass so many screens to be able to work as a teacher because they think the new generation of revolutionary, they're just yeah. uh, trained by that teacher. So teachers have to be very, very uh, in the government side. And uh, normally they come to where do you live, you live, and they ask people how uh, you, you and your family are, or how Islamic you are. So they went to my mom's uh, house to ring the bell. She came out without a hijab. So Ooh. that was the, that was enough for <laughs> me to... To be asked to leave yeah, your job. And they ask other neighbors uh, after a few months after that day, I had a letter, I have to leave the job, and I went to the um, uh, private sector. I worked for a few years um, in private sector, and I met my husband. He was just doing business in Iran. And after marriage, uh, after one year, uh, I was married with him. I decided to come here because he was mainly here. He was here before the revolution, so let's say 74, 75, he was here. And for him, after the revolution, Iran was just completely alien country, so yeah. he couldn't leave there. He can't even now, he can't stand more than a week. Week is enough for him. For yeah. <laughs> he finds it very difficult to stay there. And uh, after a year I moved here, it was May 99. So you come here on May 99? Yeah. What what's what do you eat? Oh what's God. your first impression? <laughs> oh, everything was different, and uh, yes, I came to the <laughs> <laughs> yes, very, very different. And uh, that time it wasn't that much Iranian shop uh, to buy saffron or whatever you needed. You have to. Go so you to were looking to to make Iranian food. You yes. not going to say I'm going to have uh, chicken pie now. Uh, I was I, because I didn't have uh, any interaction with the other food that much, and I was very um, funny to go and try anything, especially when it come to meat. I'm a little bit funny with meat. I have to be very, very sure that meat is nice. Meat was a shock when I came to England. The lamb was so smelly for me. The beef was smell of the blood coming out of it. The chicken was terrible. So what I did, I was just, after 20 days, I went back to Iran. I lost few, say, five, six kilos. Oh my God. And, and my father had a shock. Oh, my father thought I'm having a trouble with my husband. <laughs> <laughs> so he was just asking, tell me everything okay with you, Papa. I said, <laughs> everything is fine, don't worry. And he was just asking again and again. And uh, so Th this, I think, is the, the <laughs> difference between Western cultures and Middle Eastern cultures. Is that if you lose weight, like in the West, yes. they will say to you, "Oh, yeah, nice, you're <laughs> feeling good." <laughs> and if, like, in the Middle East, they say, "Oh, you lost weight," you say, "What happened? Are you feeling bad? Are you ill?" Yeah, immediately everybody's yeah, worried about yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. It's so and funny. He was trying to feed me. Yeah, he was just trying to feed me and didn't have the trouble with that because the food was really good and uh, it took me a few years to find the things I wanted to try to how to you know it's challenge to cook the meat the way you always had in your mind yeah 
So um, first few years it was very difficult. I was very skinny, not like that now. <laughs> and I didn't know where I have to go and buy the Iranian food and Iranian you know, ingredients. And my husband is a very health coach, so with him, I couldn't. You need to work hard. Yeah, yeah. So. And did you find, say, you, you come to a new culture, you come with a very specific and defined and, and very proud food culture, you yeah. know, Iranian food and Azari food. Yeah. Is, you know, it's a, yeah. it's a big thing. You find where to buy the rice, where to buy the rose petal, but yeah. I bet you bring like a kilo of saffron from Iran every yeah. time you go. <laughs> no, I, I know because we're, rose you know, petal. we're the same. We, we get, you know, we bring all our spices every time yeah. we go back in Tahini and we look to find uh, small cucumbers. We're so excited, like we found <laughs> gold. You, you're kind of a little bit more integrated within your new society. How do people react? to this food that you're cooking? Like, let's say, friends of your kids or, or your friends. Mm, with the kids, they're very difficult. Yeah. They always want to have the pasta, pizza, and even oh. Nutella sandwich. <laughs> they prefer that to chicken and barberies. I don't know what's wrong with these kids. So, <laughs> I wasn't No, really come on, <laughs> Nutella sandwich? <laughs> hey. Honestly, <laughs> we was just asking this sort of thing, so... I I made Italian food with a little bit of influence of Iranian style. And pasta with barberies. Just you know, the, it's funny. Uh, you can't believe that the spaghetti. Uh, they normally the, you, you see how I cook the rice. I yeah. put it in steam. They do the same thing with the spaghetti, and we always having a tadic. You know the crispy bottom of the. They do with spaghetti. the little noodles with the vermicelli. No. With big ones, just a, just a normal one, yeah. But in Iran, they had the size. You could buy, you know, different size different of size, it, yeah. yeah. And how tall they are, everything was in the measurement, like Italy. So, but um, I try to integrate the Italian food in Iranian way. So, yeah. But my kids, um, I could say they eat. Both of the food, you know, the Iranian. And other other people that tried your food or what you've cooked, would they? Um, Adolf, they was really impressed. I yeah. have to say, <laughs> I had uh, my son's birthday, and I cooked for the parents and my friend do the you know sausage and the sandwiches for kids, and uh, Adolf, they loved it. I remember we was in the uh, little play area in the nursery, so the other parents coming and going and doing the cafe and some of them just sneaking and they had some of our food and I remember the old gentleman came and he was just hugged me and because of the food I had, I gave it to him. So yeah, it was uh, it was good, you know, reaction from yeah, there. Yeah, because what, what I found is, you know, when, when you're an immigrant to, to a new culture, very often food is, is not only your way to mm. Have your place, yes, but also to bring a little people, yes, of course, to you. Yes, that's I think is one of the best way to talk to other people because what they hear from the media is completely make you like an alien. You do see Iranian angry people covered in black and they are just shouting that to here and there, 
But the real people in Iran is not like that. They are very friendly. They got a great culture with great food. And we got a long history in food, culture, music. But what the people see is different. So food is the language is speak with anyone. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So you sort of now a little bit kind of ambassador, maybe not of Iran, the country, but mm. Iranian culture, culture and Iranian food. Yeah. And you kind of Try. put it out there. Yeah. And how, how did you get to do that? How, how did you end up doing that? Because um, you, ah. you're, you're a child psychologist. Yes. You don't, you know, suddenly you cook, cook yeah. for a living. Yes, I tried so many different ways to work, but uh, psychology is very uh, got a deep root in the culture and language. So to be able to work with the people, you know, you have to know the language very well. You have to know the culture very well. Yeah. So I couldn't find any job there. I worked as a volunteer in the Iranian Association. And the uh, first time there, they asked me to go for the Just Bread course in Brixton and I done the first just bread course and then, then after that they asked me to go for E5 to be able to come and teach the Iranian ladies in Iranian co- uh, society so um, after that in E5 Bakehouse they asked me for some supper club 
and it was they offered me some job and I really enjoyed it. It wasn't about just the food. It was more than that. It was about my background, my memory, the smell, the, you know, the, everything was really, really like home. And I really enjoying it. My husband was completely against that. <laughs> you don't need to go there and work up to 11 o'clock. But I really enjoyed it. And after that, I introduced to Mazima. So tell us, tell us a little bit about Mazima's for some people here that don't know. Oh yeah, uh, Mazima's is a catering company, um, mainly working with uh, immigrant ladies trying to find a job. In you know, the, most of them they are studied in different you know subjects from universities, but they can't find a job here. So, and they want to work. Is not just the need, you know, money is the one side. To just be able to go out and do something different. To have your own, uh, you know, self-esteem and come back to what you was before. Because most of them, they was working in their countries. So, Mazmas um, provide uh, uh, training and catering job for them. We do different uh, events. Uh, last one was in uh, Serpentine Gallery. Uh, it was a picnic every Wednesday, and uh, we done it whole summer. It was really, really and good. So you train these, you train these women, yeah. and then they go to find work in in restaurants. Mm, or in, yes. Or they work with Mazimas. I work with Mazimas. Sometimes we ask them to come and cook with us. Sometimes they, some of introduce them to the other places for work. Uh, the main thing, put them in a workplace, make them confident and stand by their own, you know, earn their living by cooking what they're really enjoying it. Because they are really good cook. Uh, but the only thing is you have to have a, some, you know, like a, a brushing it, just make it, bring it to the standard in the restaurant. Yeah. And also the, there's a lot of, we don't realize how how much you need to adjust to a different yeah, culture. Yeah. How much work that oh, is. Oh yes, of course. And uh, I think this is what I found. You know, with our, because we have we have people from all over the world, and you know, just to make that transition mm. is yeah. really hard work. Yes, it exactly. Was for us and it yeah. So you, I think that's wonderful. So you kind of help them go back to the world yeah and which is what kind of you know 20 years ago this is what you did yes like the 20 years ago if yeah, someone yeah. was there for you that's yeah. really nice very very nice it's a very nice uh, organization I, what I really want to ask you and for me I know a little bit about Iranian culture and you know I know from because we have quite a big Iranian community in Israel of, of Iranian Jews that came. So I, I know a lot about the food and, and about the, the people. I want to know a little bit more about the country and what it's actually like. And you touched about you touched that a little bit because mm. again what we see on T V yeah. is a very kind of oh the crazy mullahs and uh, you know the angry people and I know that, you know, you scratch the surface or that you're on the ground. Yeah. It's a different, it's something completely different. Does it, does it hurt you that this is kind of the perception? Yes, this is really hurts because 
I know we are not just like what these people see here. Um, you know, when we, is a culture where we sit together, we do poetry. You know, is such a beautiful, rich country. Just so yeah, food is great. <laughs> food is great, and hospitality is really, really. You go out and you need something. Everybody trying to help you. Sometimes too much. You go as a foreigner out in the bazaar, and they invite to their house. They give you free <laughs> accommodation for a few days. They are really, really good people. Honestly. And if you go to the, you know, very poor area in Baluchistan or go to the, you know, Caspian Sea, it doesn't make a difference. People are very, very nice and polite and very hospitable people. You hardly see this sort of reaction, you know, you see in TV, angry people. You hardly see anything like that. I can't say no because, you know, 40 years government tried to train and have that people. So they got a job, they got the money from the government, and so they're supporting that government. But they are in minority, they are not all Iranians. And what I think very curious, I think for us, we perceive a lot maybe Islamic culture and maybe Iranian culture, it's very patriarchal. But actually, from what I know, or people I know, and actually a little bit what you described, it's always... It's everything underground. The women <laughs> are running the show. Yes. It's a, it's a very matriarchal yeah. society. The, you know, the, yeah. Like you described, your mom kind of running yeah. the house, kiss twice but a week. Yes. In the West, this will be kind of the father's role. He'll be mm. the tough guy. Yes. And also in culture, a lot of creative energy coming from mm. from women artists, women poets. Yes. And do you think, like in Iran now on the ground, is this something that's coming to the fore? Or is it something that's suppressed and more present in the West? The new generation, they're going to be ver- make a very very difficult time for for the government. You know, they are completely different from what we was. We was just following the rule. We are just trying to hide what we are. But the new generation is like the 60s here. You could see sometimes it's too much for me when I go there. You know, you see in the uh, wedding parties, sometimes 40 years they get a vodka. So they go to, normally in every wedding is a room for just the just a vodka. vodka <laughs> and the, a vodka room. They don't, they don't go. They don't go for wine. Yeah, no, straight for the hard Yes, (laughs) exactly. So, and you could see everybody just ending up that little room in back and uh, coming back very happy and jolly (laughs) and just, what's going on there? And 14 years old, God, this is just too early. I think whatever they try very hard, they, you know, see the backlash very, you know, hard is not really... Uh, sometimes I think it's too much. I wonder when it's going to explode. Yeah. Well, I, I hope no one's going to get hurt. No, on the way. hopefully. <laughs> no, I think we don't want the big mistake. We're not going to end it up like Egypt or yeah. Yemen or you know Libya or something like that because we had that experience with revolution. I think little by little will change. I have. 
a lot more questions. I'm not going to ask a lot more questions because I see these people yeah, are already there. <laughs> Soon they're going to be a revolution here. Hey, give us food! <laughs> you go back to Iran yes. once, twice a year. Once a year. Once a year. What, what does it feel like? Oh. Do you feel English? Do you feel a little bit oh. mixed? This is a very, actually, it's a very hard question. You I feel know. like a lily. You don't have a root anywhere. You don't belong to Iran. You don't belong to here. For my generation, I think it's very, very difficult. We had a war. We had a revolution. The old, the, you know, the bad, is one of them is enough for generation. I had three of them. And then... Uh, immigration to other country, coming as a foreigner, you don't know the language, you have to prove yourself. Because when you don't know the language, people look at you like a stupid. Yeah. And you feel, oh my God, this is very different. I remember I was working as a university student, school with the deaf children. They was very angry. They And I was wondering why they are so angry. And when I moved here, I understand why, because they can't express themselves very well and I came here not knowing the language very well so it was really painful for me I I think my generation had uh, all hard time and uh, I, I now when I go there I miss here when I'm here I'm always thinking about there every single day is a challenge for me just the smell of something the, just the music, just the person who passing by speaking Farsi, or somebody I remember was um, I was in Brain Cross shopping center was speaking Azari, and all of them bring tear to you. You just like a very delicate uh, dish, and you just ready to cry, ready to explore because you just miss what you left there. And you are here, living here, so you can't just leave everything behind. You have you lots of nice people, lots of good memory here as well. It's a part of you here as well. I can't say Iran is just Iran is my country. Here is as well. I always tell my kids, "You're born here, and you have to be loyal to loyal to here as well." I don't know. I don't know where I am at standing. It's just very difficult. What were you? Stuck in between. Is the same for you as well? Me, I enjoy both. You enjoy both. I enjoy both. Yeah, I love, I love going back. I love coming. I love being mm. here. I love this country. It's been very good to me. So you yeah. could switch and go and live in Israel. Yeah, I enjoy it. I can, I can appreciate Israel more mm. that I live here. Okay. The things that I couldn't see, mm. I can appreciate now. It doesn't bother me. Mm. Things that bother me never used to bother me when I lived there. Don't bother me. I like it now. The kind of energy <laughs> and chutzpah, uh, yeah. we say. I yeah. love it. When I'm in Israel, it drives me crazy. <laughs> so me, I, I, I gain from both worlds, mm. I think. Guys, does anyone have any questions, thoughts, feelings, or emotions they want to share with the group? So I'm going to repeat your question. Okay. We've seen visually those glorious dishes. Yeah. Please, will you tell us what they are? Oh. Yeah, absolutely. The, um, Queens. Queens. Okay. Uh, this uh, normally this dish is with chicken, but we just adjust it without chicken. Is the dried plum? Normally they take the skin of plum, 
and it's sun-dried plum. I did. I was peeling the plums <laughs> all morning. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, with the queens, it's the time for queens now in Iran. And uh, lots of onion and saffron. And uh, that's the little bit of different version of the Tehran, mainly Tehran food. And you need to tell us the name of the dish and what's in it. Oh yeah, that's the Kolik uh, Behalu, which has got the Khorish Behalu. Khorish means the stew. So Khorish Behalu Beh is a quince and Alu that plum. And um, the other one is actually from North Caspian Sea. Uh, so is the Khorish um, the uh, Anar, which is the pomegranate stew with uh, chicken, pomegranate, and um, uh, barberries, and uh, onion, and of course saffron. You can't just mm-hmm. leave saffron is saffron. in everything, <laughs> you don't need to say. Saffron here to buy it terribly expensive. Yes, I know. You bring it from, from Iran. Yeah, in Iran, even in Iran is expensive, but it's much cheaper than here. <laughs> and we know how to use it. I've seen how they basting it. Sorry. Yes. He was just trying to open the pack, and few of that was in the one, <laughs> one little strand. You know how much grief I got all morning. <laughs> My God. Um, for saffron, normally we got a special um, pestle and mortar, and we just uh, we put a um, cube of the um, sugar cube. And we grind it with that one. Otherwise, it's not easy. Oh, sorry, it's not very easy to grind it without the sugar cube. And you could add, you, to just give it shock to saffron to release the flavor and taste. You could add just one cube of ice when you don't gr- grind it, or just a hot water, and let it to brew. If you're using a hot water. Just very, in very uh, normally, I've got a um, very small teapot, just for saffron, very tiny one from Iran, and I just put it nearby the stove when I'm cooking, and it slowly release the uh, flavor and taste. And we could keep that one maybe in the fridge if you have got extra few day in the fridge, yeah. After you were talking about being that lily, that sort of rootless lily, yeah. which is a lovely metaphor, um, I just I completely understand here what you would miss from Iran. Yeah, I'm struggling to understand <laughs> when you're in Iran what you miss from here. And I'm just First thing, the freedom. You know, do you think I could go out the way I wanted? I don't need to cover myself. Even is very little tiny thing but sometimes you just want to go be different i remember when i was going there i just have to uh, they remind me you can't go out like that and or you know always feel you feel the shadow somebody big brother watching over you that's just the, and each time you go to the airport you're worried is that my time this time am i going to be able to go back you know, um, this is always with you, inside you. They just so sowed it inside you. I don't know how to describe well, it. After your with yeah, with yeah, the yeah. So uh, you're always having it with you. But here, um, I don't know. It's just 
you don't feel you have to cover yourself. You are yourself. And you don't need to hide yourself. That's the difference. And I really miss this one. Okay, so good rice on one side, freedom yeah. on the other. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a tough choice, choice. yeah. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for coming. We're going to give you food. Give this girl a big hand because she's amazing. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Honey and Coke. We hope you enjoyed it, even if you didn't get to try the food. I promise everything was absolutely delicious. There are some wonderful guests coming up in the next few weeks and will be available to download. So make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes and please leave us a review if you can. That'll be really, really great for us. This show is expertly produced by Hester Kahn, music by the great Ellis Russell. If you want to come along to one of our talks, you can join our mailing list on our website, honeyandco.co.uk, or follow us on our social media at honeyandco. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.